We're beginning a series this morning on the book of Revelation. And really, it's about a prophetical look at the days that we're living in. I believe it is so important for us to get a big view of what's really happening in our world. And there's no better place to go than right straight to Scripture, because a Bible-based viewpoint is the only accurate one. Sometimes when we're going through studies on prophecy, we kind of just get bits and pieces, and we don't see the big picture. And I think it would be important to really look at things from a more systematic way. And so with that in mind, I felt like that maybe we should go through the book of Revelation. Of course, uh, in just a few Sundays, we're not going to be able to do that, but I thought, well, maybe over the course of a few years here, we'll just kind of take a chunk of Revelation and then take another chunk, and then who knows where we'll be when we get to the end of that. But the book of Revelation is a great book. I love it. I know some people are scared by it, some people are mystified. I guess I am a bit uh, mystified myself at times. But I will tell you, there is one book that the devil hates in the Bible. He hates the book of Revelation. Actually, I guess he hates two books. He hates, Reve- he hates uh, Genesis because it pronounces his doom, and he hates the book of Revelation because it just shows it's going to happen for sure. But I will tell you, the book of Revelation is an exciting book. In it, we uh, get a sense of really what's going to happen, and that's very uh, wonderful, and it's very uh, Great for our hearts to be able to get an understanding of what's really happening. Dr. George Sweeting of the Moody Bible Institute once said this. He said that one-fourth of the Bible is actually prophecy. And so if that much of the Bible is prophecy, I think we're probably going to have to look at some prophetical things if we're going to be uh, healthy uh, Christians. Of the 260 chapters in the New Testament, he said, there's more than 300 references to the Lord's return. That means one out of every 30 verses talks about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I think we ought to think about it more. I think we ought to talk about it more. And I certainly think we ought to know about it more. And so that's what we're here to do this morning. By the way, Brother Mike, sure good to see you up here playing that uh, cello. Wasn't that amazing? Boy, that's a miracle. That's awesome. I think uh, Pastor Luke's going to give you a little update on uh, John David, who... uh, passed out here last Sunday, but uh, actually the Lord used that situation. But speaking of uh, revelation and how important details are, I would tell you that details are important. And I wrote a, read a cute story this week that pointed that out. After a certain evening out, some parents returned home to their children. They had left them with the babysitter. I read this week in New York uh, City, uh, it costs something like uh, three or four hundred dollars to get a babysitter for your children. Well, anyway, these parents were very pleasantly surprised when they came back to their kids because they were fast asleep. And when the sitter had been paid, just as she was walking out the door, she communicated an overlooked detail. Oh, oops, sorry. Almost forgot to tell you. I promised Sammy that if he would stay in bed, you would get him a pony in the morning. There you go. Well, there are some details sometimes, I think, about prophecy that are left out. And there is important things about the details. That's what we're going to talk about today. Let's all bow our heads forward to prayer, if you would, please, this morning. Father, we come before you. 
I love this subject, God. Thank you for communicating it to us. Thank you, Lord, that we're not just driving along without a map. Thank you, Father, for creating Bible Google Maps for us, Lord, that we could know exactly where we're headed. And we'll praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Now, let me give you this little disclaimer as we begin. When we talk about the end times, and especially this this morning when I talk about certain signs of the end times, we never here at the home church set dates on the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. I will tell you that it is Satan who puts dates out there. And he does that so that people will get all disenchanted and they'll talk about it just being, you know, apocalyptic talk and, you know, religious extremism. And I know that anytime we talk about the book of Revelation, we're going to be uh, accused perhaps of being extreme. But that's the same thing people said about Noah. That's the same thing they said about righteous Lot. They wouldn't listen to him. In fact, the Bible says that in the final days, it's going to be just like the days before Noah came or Noah was in the days of Lot. And so I think as we look into the book of Revelation, we're going to get a great view of the future. And we're going to see that really the future is now. And so let's go to Revelation chapter 1 and verse 1. We're going to first of all talk about the source of prophecy. Let's all read verse 1, if you would, together with me out loud. The Bible promises a blessing if we read the Scripture, so we're going to take him literally at this moment. Let's read Revelation 1, 1 together. Ready? Begin. Out loud. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass, and he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. Now, when we talk about end times and when we talk about revelation and the apocalypse, the thing we must always remember is that the most important thing about the future is not the Antichrist or not whether 666 is around the corner. It's not about any of those things or even the fact that Jerusalem has been proclaimed as the capital of Israel. No, the most important thing about prophecy, as it says right here, is Jesus Christ, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, if you have a physical Bible in your hand, uh, or maybe even if you have an electronic Bible, uh, you may note that the King James says, uh, the translators, this wasn't part of the actual original language, but they put the words, the revelation of St. John the Divine. There's certainly nothing wrong with that because John was an amazing saint of God. But then again, all of us are saints. (laughs) If you're a believer, you're a saint or you ain't, as one person once said. The revelation of St. John the Divine. And it is, in a sense, a revelation that was given to him by the Holy Spirit. You and I never get revelations. We get illuminations, but you will never get a revelation The Bible says that has been once delivered unto the saints, not twice or three times. That's why the whole name of the Mormon church is is an oxymoron. The church of the Latter-day Saints, sorry, there's no Latter-day revelation. No, 
God has already settled the word. But notice, while it is a good term, St. John the Divine, the better way to put that title is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And that's what this book is about. It's not about John. It's not about the Antichrist. It is about Jesus Christ. Jesus is the hero of the book of Revelation. And Jesus is the hero of all of prophecy. I used to have a sweatshirt that said, Jesus is my hero. I'd play tennis with a guy who was a Jewish guy, and boy, he hated that. Uh, um, but he, well, he liked playing tennis with me, but he sure hated my, uh, my sweatshirt. I always would say something about it. <clears throat> he, now, notice the word revelation. It says the revelation of Jesus Christ. The Greek word for the word revelation is apocalypsis. That's where we get the English word uh, apocalypse. And it actually means unveiling. That's what the word means, unveiling. And so if we were to read those first few words, it would be the unveiling or the coming of Jesus Christ. That's what the book of Revelation really is about. In the first verse, we get the thesis statement for the entire book. If I were to try to illustrate what that word revelation or apocalypsis means, it would be kind of like, let's imagine that the city fathers of Lodi or Stockton, they um, commissioned someone to make a statue. And that statue is out there. I always like to kid people about the home church. And when I'm trying to describe where it is, I say, we're the only church that has a statue of the pastor out in front. And uh, they say, really? What is that? I said, well, in front of Noah's Park, we have a gorilla waving. And, uh, but... Uh, the, imagine that there in Lodi or Stockton, they've commissioned to make some statue. And the person, you know, works on it in his, uh, in his um, place there. And then he, bring, he puts a cover over it and he brings it to the middle of the city square. And it's covered. And finally they have this big meeting and everybody's there. And the mayor's there, the city council. And then they pull that big uh, sheet off of there. And we see the statue. It's an unveiling. That's kind of what the book of Revelation is. It is an unveiling of really what's going to happen. And notice who is the one doing the unveiling. The amazing thing about the book of Revelation is that not only is it about Jesus, it is by Jesus. Notice what it says there. It says, God gave this revelation to John. God gave this revelation to John. Jesus is God. We already know that. And so Jesus himself gave this great revelation. He is the source, as we state. He is the source of prophecy. Now, when Jesus Christ was in his physical body, when he took on the form of flesh during the time of the incarnation, he walked the dusty trails of Israel by and large, His glory was veiled. But when He comes again, He is coming in a gleam of glory. When He came the first time, He came to a crucifixion. When He comes again, He is coming to a coronation. The first time He came, He came to a tree. But the next time He comes, He is coming to a throne. The first time He came, He stood before Pilate to be judged. But when He comes again, 
Pilate will stand before him to be judged. When he came the first time, he came into shame. When he, came, when he comes again, he is coming into splendor. I love the whole Bible, and I especially love the Gospels. We recently went through the book of Matthew verse by verse, and I love it. I just love the Gospels. But I will tell this about the Gospels. While they are wonderful, the fact is they, in some sense, kind of shroud the glory of Jesus Christ. That's why I'm glad we have the book of Revelation, because in the book of Revelation, we see the whole Christ. We see the Savior. We see Him as sovereign, not only as justifier, but as judge, not only as redeemer, but as ruler, not only as the lamb, but as the lion. And that's why I love the book of Revelation. And so, first of all, we see the source of prophecy. Now notice number two, the subject of prophecy, also in verse number one. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, to show unto his servants, and here's the subject, to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto the servant <clears throat> John. Now the Bible said that the book of Revelation is given to us to show God's servants, notice what it says, to show his servants things which must shortly come to pass. Now, the word servant is a good word because, and it's an interesting word. It's a word we talked about over the last couple of years. It's a Greek word, dualis, and that word is actually bondservant. A bondservant. It is a special kind of a servant. It's not just a slave in the traditional sense of the word. Because when we think of the word slave, I, I remember some man was talking to me recently about the Bible. He was, actually it was an email and uh, responding to one of the uh, pieces of information we put out. And they were upset that I would, uh, you know, talk about how important it was to follow Christ and be a servant of the Lord. And he, he was upset that we advocated slavery. <laughs> and I was just like, oh my goodness. But you know, the Bible actually clarifies that. And certainly slavery is a terrible thing. But when the word here, dualis, which is the word for servant, it actually means a bondservant. It's not somebody who is serving without their consent or someone that's forced into it. It's actually someone who has voluntarily given themselves to that master. In fact, in the Old Testament, there's quite a uh, ceremony that would take place. They would have to have their ear pierced, and they would go through this ceremony where they would voluntarily subject themselves to the master because of how much they loved the master and how that they wanted to serve them for the rest of their life. And it was an irrevocable uh, ceremony. And that's the word that God uses here. And so the book of Revelation then was not written to the average man walking up and down the street. The book of Revelation was written not even to someone who calls the name of Jesus. It is somebody who is a bondservant of Jesus, somebody who has irrevocably dedicated and given their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. They, those people and only those people will get a real understanding of the book of Revelation because the book of Revelation is written to the bond slaves of God. Essentially, the fact is this, if you're not a bond slave of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
You're reading somebody else's mail and it's not going to make any sense. And so these events are very important. The first bullet point here that we're pointing out is that the future events will come to pass surely. Notice what the verse says. Things which must come to pass. One of the great confirmations that there is a God and that He is the God of this book are these prophetical events. Why did God give her so many prophetical things? So that we would read them, we would examine the facts, and we would say, looky there, there has never been one prophecy ever given by anyone in Scripture that he either hasn't already been fulfilled or everything is lining up to be fulfilled. Never one time has any prophecy ever been proven wrong. In fact, every time archaeology or science uh, comes together, they just finally confirm what we knew all along. And that's why it says, which must come to pass. You can bank on the surety of it. A few years ago, there was a famous uh, guy on TV, and they would advertise the men's warehouse, George Zimmerman. He started that boy, and he'd get up there in those suits, and he would promise you could get a good suit, and you could get two for 300, you know what I mean? And he would talk about them, and then at the end, he'd say, I'm George Zimmerman, and I guarantee it. I guarantee it. Well, I understand he finally got uh, kicked out of his own company. I don't know how his guarantee holds up, but I will tell you one thing. When Jesus says, I guarantee it, you can count on it. And that's what he says here. It says, it must happen this way. It's going to happen. Not only is it going to happen surely, but it's going to happen shortly. Things which must shortly come to pass. Well, there you go, pastor. This is why I don't like the book of Revelation, because it says it's shortly going to happen. Wasn't the book of Revelation written 2,000 years ago? And I mean, why, why, why isn't all these things fulfilled already? Well, that's because it's not a problem with the Bible, and it's not a problem with this verse. It's a problem with our understanding of what God is saying here, which must shortly. It doesn't mean it's going to happen in the next 15 years, or even in the next 15, uh, 15 minutes, or 15 years, or 150 years. What it means is at any moment. In fact, you ought to take that word shortly there, maybe uh, uh, circle it if you have a physical Bible there. Just put the word eminent or at any moment. What does eminency mean? It means once the action begins, it will finish and it will do so rapidly. That's what eminency means. It means it's going to happen. Once it happens, it'll finish and it'll do so rapidly. That's why God says we're to stay ready be ready. Now, how does God communicate His thoughts about the future? God could have literally said, okay, on December this, on the, this was going to happen, but Jesus never did that. Even in the Gospels we read that He often spoke in parables because He wanted people to dig. Those who are initiated and those who are uh, they're excited about the Word, they'll study. Study to show thyself approved, the apostle said. And so people who study get something. It's like getting gold. I mean, there's a few nuggets laying around that any crazy person can find. But if you want to find a deep vein, man, you've got to dig. You've got to, you've got to work for that. And that's what God said. You've got to work for this truth. 
And so how did he does How does he do it? Notice what he says in this verse here. He says, which he signified. He signified it. Now, what's the first four letters of that word signified? S-I-G-N. What does that spell? Sign. The book of Revelation is all about significations or signs, symbols, full of symbols, People say, well, pastor, I thought you were a literalist. I am. Absolutely I am. But here's the way we understand symbols in Scripture. And that is when God gives a symbol, it's obvious. Jesus said, I am the door. We look at him and is he a wood, you know, 36-inch door, 27-inch door? Is he 6'8 door? Is he 7 What is he? No. We know he's not a physical door. That's a symbolism. And so when the Bible makes sense, don't make any other sense. But if the Bible doesn't make sense, then we need to look into it deeper. Once we get a sign, then we literally believe the sign. I'm a literalist. I believe in the literal interpretation of the Bible. And then when the sign is obvious, then I literally believe that. And so symbolic interpretation does not do away with being somebody who believes in the, in the absolute uh, um, uh, the, uh, truth of Scripture. The purpose of symbols is to show that God's servant, is to show to God's servant the importance of the future days. And I will say this, anybody who doesn't know the Bible doesn't know the future. They may tell you they know the future, and I saw this big uh, headline this week. It says, Stephen Hawking gives shocking uh, statements about the future of our world. Well, I'm, I'm sure he's brilliant. I'm sure he's a lot smarter than I'll ever be. But I will tell you this, if those future predictions don't have anything to do with the Bible, I can tell you, you can just throw them in a trash heap. They mean nothing. Absolutely nothing. I don't care how smart a person is. If they're not based on Scripture... Stephen Hawking doesn't know even what the simplest Christian child knows who loves the Bible. A few months ago, my precious wife and I had the chance to go to the South Pacific island of Vanuatu. I never had really heard of Vanuatu before we went there. When we got there, I finally realized that actually it was originally called the New Hebrides. I had heard of the New Hebrides. And if you've ever read history at all, you know a certain thing about the New Hebride Islands, and that is it is a place of cannibalism. I mean, they were cooking their friends and cooking outsiders all the time. And the missionary John Patton went there, and he, he has a tremendous uh, story about all that. But I, uh, It reminded me of the story I heard. There was a South Sea Islander who proudly displayed his Bible to a liberal missionary. This was during World War II, and uh, he had received this Bible from a U.S. soldier who had come there to his island, and uh, the liberal missionary looked at that uh, South Sea Islander with the Bible in his hand. He said, oh, we've outgrown that kind of thing, and the native smiled back and said, well, it's a good thing we haven't, because if it weren't for this book, you would be my evening meal. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing, you know, the understanding Scripture is the thing that really gives you an understanding about the future. The source of the property of the prophecy is Jesus Christ. The subject of prophecy 
it is certainly about the future. And then number three, the surety of the prophecy. I want to talk to you now about the pledge that God has made. Now let's read verses two and three together. Ready? Begin. Let's read them out loud. Who bear record of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. I want you to notice two things about these verses. First of all, God said, if you read the revelation, you're blessed by it. Blessed by reading. Why are we blessed? Because we have God's word on the future, not the word of man, the word of God. And I don't always get the word of God, but I don't understand the word of God. But the amazing thing about the word of God is I always get a blessing by it. And that's a wonderful thing about God's word. And I love to read the book of Revelation. And I will tell you this, I love to hear the book of Revelation read, don't you? Boy, I love these little Bible apps that you can just put them on. And man, when you read, hear some of these people read it, especially somebody reading one of those English accents or something, I'm like, man, you know, the, the, here is Jesus Christ. And I'm like, whoa, man, you just get so excited because I know this, this is real stuff. It burns in my heart. It's important to read the Bible. It's important to have the Bible in our heart. It's been said if there's dust on your Bible, that means there's going to be a drought in your heart. And so there is a blessing that comes from hearing the Word of God and reading the Word of God. There's not only a blessing from reading, there's a blessing from heeding. Look what it says in verse 3. Blessed is he that readeth, a special blessing. Now, the interesting thing about these verses It never says in any other place in the Bible you're going to be blessed by reading these words. Now, we know you are blessed, but specifically God says you will be blessed by reading the book of Revelation. I know one man I knew that took those words literally, and he said, if if there's a special blessing on the book of Revelation, then I'm going to memorize the entire book of Revelation, and he did. He memorized the entire book of Revelation, and sometime we'd let him quote a few verses. It was always exciting. But notice what it says. Not only is it from reading, but it is from heeding. Verse number three, they that hear the words of this prophecy. Now, it's one thing to read it. It's another to really hear it. Are you listening to me? Sometimes I'll be looking at something and my wife will say something and she said, "Um, are you listening to me? I heard you. No. Yeah, but did you listen to what I said? And that's what I want. I want to make sure I'm listening to what God said. God says you'll get a blessing from reading this book. Now, there's no other book that you're going to get a blessing from. You might get some information from a science book, but you not get a blessing. I don't know if you'll even get anything out of Hillary's book, What Happened. (laughs) And uh, But you can read it, whatever you want, or this trash that's coming out this weekend from that wolf guy. The fact is, I will tell you this any of those books, you're, you're not going to get any kind of a blessing. But the Bible promises a blessing from reading and heeding the, work of God, the Word of God, especially the book of Revelation. The Bible says, because the time is at hand. You'd say, well, these words were written 2,000 years ago. Yep. <laughs> Pure math tells me that if it was close then, it's closer now. Amen. I mean, I can at least say that. You'd say, is it going to be this week? 
You better believe it's going to be this week. But if it ha- doesn't happen, it may happen two weeks from now. Or, and I will tell you in a few moments as we go through these signs, it doesn't seem like it could be much longer. And uh, people are going to say, well, it's always been that way. Yes, but eminency means that once it starts, it will rapidly proclaim, it'll rapidly happen. And that's why it's an unveiling. The events that are happening today in our world are casting their shadow, just like the Bible says. Now, almost all of the events that we see in Scripture are, take place during the tribulation. And so because that they take place during the tribulation, there's really no signs for the rapture. They're really signs for the tribulation. But it only makes sense if these things are in place already, then it would seem like the rapture is certainly close. Let me give you six signs of the times. As I said earlier, we never set a date. We just simply proclaim and take Scripture, put them together with the current events. Certainly there's something, a, a shadow at least, to take seriously. I think the first thing we can say about these days we live in is the return of Israel to their land. There's never been a nation ever in the history of the world that has ever been away from their land for 2,000 years and then gone back. There's nothing like it in history. In 1948, uh, the nation of Israel was born in one day. The book of Matthew talks about this in chapter 24. It says that the, the, the new nation will come forth like a like a bud, it, like a branch that is budding, a fig tree that buds in Matthew 24, verse 32. Dr. John Walvoord of Dallas Seminary said this. He said, Israel's reestablishment in the ancient land is God's principal sign for the approaching advent of Christ. I'll say it again. The number one sign that the coming of the Lord could be much sooner than we might imagine is the fact that Israel now has come back to the land. Now, true, largely it is a return physically and not a return spiritually. But the fact that they simply are back is an amazing thing. And that's why it meant so much to so many people. Here just a few weeks ago when our rough president, and I will tell you this, thank God for a man who's done more for the conservative cause, more for pro-life than any president since President Reagan. Unbelievable. And I mean, he may be a rusty knife, I'll tell you, but he's cutting deep and uh, it's amazing. But he stood up here and he said, we need to honor what Congress did some 25 years ago. And he said, I don't care what, who it bothers. The fact of the matter is from this day forward, the United States of America recognizes that Jerusalem is the official capital of Israel. Now, why, did that, why is that such a significant thing? Because in all of the prophetical events, Jerusalem is the center of the world. Why does Russia come down to the Middle East? Why don't they go to America? Why does China come from the East and all the armies of the East come to the Middle East? Why do all the armies from the South from those Arab nations there in northern Africa and all those. Why do they come up? Because they all come to Jerusalem, that little narrow strip of land, some 200 miles long or so. That is the center of the world. And Jerusalem, 
Shalom, the city of peace, is the center of war. It's just phenomenal. Who would have ever thought that Israel would come back and be reestablished? And so the number one reason why we think that the future is now is because that Israel has been reestablished. I think perhaps for me one of the greatest reasons is the increase of knowledge. Look what it says in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 4. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words, seal the book, even to the time of the end. Two things, he says, many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. I believe this is clearly referring to our day. It cannot be refuted by anybody. Throughout history, the fastest anybody could go for about 6,000 years was to get on a horse and go. About the fastest you could go. There's no other way to go faster. 6,000 years of human history, that's the way it's been. Only in the last uh, couple hundred years, maybe a little less, only in the last several years has anybody been able to go faster than that. And then now, it says, many shall run to and fro. I remember even just when I was a child, getting on a plane and going overseas was just, nobody did that, hardly. And now, people jump on the plane, get an airfare to London, drop over to Paris, go down to, you know, South America. I mean, they're just, everybody's flying everywhere. They run to and fro. And uh, there's just uh, such a huge explosion of people traveling back and forth. Not only it says many shall run to and fro, but knowledge shall be increased. Again, for 6,000 years, one generation would tell another generation. They'd write a few more sentences in a book, pass it to the next generation. They'd write a few more uh, sentences in a book, pass it to the next generation. And for 6,000 years, very slowly, information grew and was decimated out, uh, disseminated out. And now, now, every year, the knowledge is just exploding. I don't mean just decades. It is exploding like daily. We've gotten so used to having information. And I, I'm tell you, it is, it is, a, it is a tremendous blessing uh, as a pastor. I will tell you, I met a dear couple back here just a few minutes ago that said, pastor, we heard you on the radio back in the eighties. I said, no, nah. I was thinking in my head, you didn't do that. And then he began to tell the details. I said, you did. <laughs> Why? I'm amazed. Well, back there in the 80s, when you had to study as a pastor, you had to get out books, you know, set them all over your, uh, your desk there. You might be able to get one source or two source, but it was just so laborsome. Now, I'm telling you, it is amazing. You can have a phone, to live like things, and create an amazing message. You can get all these great sources, you know. It's awesome. But I will tell you one thing, with such... A great uh, blessing in your hand. It can certainly be used for evil as well. The increase of knowledge is certainly a sign of our time. The third sign is the revival of the Roman Empire. Anybody who knows world history knows that Rome had the farthest reaches of any ancient nation, greater than Greece, greater than uh, um, what we would call Babylon, anyone's greater. The Roman Empire went from all the way, basically, <laughs> into the Middle East, all the way to London and uh, to England, up to the north. I mean, they find Roman relics all over still. During uh, the last uh, generation, 
the European Union has been birthed. It is a union of nations that very closely resemble a refederated Roman Empire. The Antichrist comes from the European Union. Tonight, or today, while we're standing here right now, they are meeting, NATO is meeting, the councils are meeting always, they're meeting with the Pope, uh, uh, Chancellor Merkel recently said, we need to have an army. And uh, one of Germany's senior defense officials, uh, Hans Peter Bartels, has called, has called for the European Union to officially come up with an army. And so we have the Pope who's meeting with these leaders, world leaders together, and they're proclaiming that they need an army. Folks, these are things that absolutely remind us what the Bible says is going to happen. When in history did these things ever happen like they are now? And then this one right now, number four, the ability to enforce the mark of the beast. There's never been in time of history where this could happen like now. Revelation 13, 17 says that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark, the name of the beast, the number of his name, 666. It doesn't mean literally 666, although it very possibly could be. The point being that it is a worldwide financial system whereby everything that is bought and sold is connected. Cash disconnects that. But electronic things keep it all certainly connected. Has there ever been a time in history where this could happen like now? No. We are the first generation that is living on the edge of a cashless society. Many countries like Sweden and others, they are virtually cashless. In fact, the whole concept of money is changing. And those of you who know a little bit about all the financial things going on, there's this phenomenal, everybody's excited about, called Bitcoin. They're saying that the whole concept of money is changing from a gold standard to some kind of currencies. There's all, and there's alternative currencies, not just Bitcoin, that are also coming up. The fact is, we are living in a world that is rapidly changing. There are now facial recognition software. Of course, phones are doing that now. But they're also going to a pay point and they'll be able to recognize your, fa- uh, your face. Fingerprinting, uh, you don't even have to have a chip. I mean, just your fingerprint alone. And so we are absolutely to a point where that can happen in our society. There is a fifth sign, and that is natural disasters. Luke chapter 21, verses 25 to 26, there shall be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and earth, distress of nations with perplexity. The sea and the waves are roaring, men's heart failing them for fear, for looking for those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Is this being fulfilled in our day? Are there more natural disasters? Or does it just seem like there is? There is more. I looked at the statistics myself, just went to the website about federal disaster declarations. Go back to the 60s and the 70s, and they would have a couple of dozen or three dozen national uh, national disaster, federal disaster declarations. This last year, 2017, over 130 in America alone, federal disaster 
declarations, including the fires here in California, the great flood in, in uh, Houston, floods in Florida, earthquakes, I mean, you name it. It has been an incredible, disastrous year. This big storm that just happened this last weekend, they were warning people, they said, don't even go outside because there's ice shrapnel. The wind was blowing sideways at 70 miles an hour. Ice uh, shards were becoming dislodged, and they said, you will get, in, uh, you will get uh, poked by one of these ice shards. They said, it, it is called ice shrapnel. They said, almost never see anything like it. Folks, it's like 50 or 60 below with the wind chill. Ice shrapnel running side. I mean, oh my goodness. Unbelievable. Folks, I am telling you that this world that we are in is groaning. The book of Revelation or book of Romans talks about a, a creation that is groaning. My, our world is groaning. When you take a look at some of these little maps of disasters and earthquakes all over the world, it is, it is increasing. And 2018, you can count on it. It's going to be greater and worse than ever. That's why I tell you one thing, my standing is not on this earth, is not whether we live in California or wherever we live. My standing is firmly on the Word of God, on Jesus Christ. That's where I stand here this morning. And then finally this morning, the sixth sign is violence and sexual immorality. <coughs> Look what it says in Luke chapter 17, verse 28, likewise also as it was in the days of Lot. They did eat and they drank and they bought and they sold and they planted and they builded. Verse 29, but the same day that Lot went out of Sodom and rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Now listen, verse 30, even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Now what was it like in Noah's day? We have to go to Revelation, or excuse me, Genesis chapter 6 to find that out. In Genesis chapter 6 and verse 13, it says, in Noah's day, the earth was filled with violence. The earth was filled with violence. How many would uh, agree to the, today that there has never been a more violent time to live than now? I mean, it is the most violent time. More mass shootings this past year, greater in number. In Las Vegas, over 50 people losing their lives. People, it's, it's not, we're not talking about some just uh, unhinged uh, religious nut. We're just talking about some guy who's a millionaire, just wanted something to do with his life and go out with a blaze. Violence, just this spirit of violence. There were, of course, great uh, riots that are happening everywhere. Violence and then immorality. It says, as in the day of Lot, when God rained down on Sodom and Gomorrah. And I will tell you, we are living in a modern-day Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, it is nothing like anything you can imagine. It's, it is so crazy that all of us just become normal. Homosexuality, perversion has become normal. They have shows about it. and we, It's just unbelievable what's going on in America now. Marriage, which it's not a marriage, but marriage is legal between same-sex couples. Many countries of the world, it's that way. Who would have ever thought that in Ireland, Ireland, a, uh, a place where they have a, grew up with such a, a strong Catholic background, in Ireland they have a gay prime minister. Unbelievable. It's like, man, this world is crazy. There are more cases of STDs with every bit of uh, um, medicine we have, more come out. 
20 million new cases a year in America of STDs. There are more things I could talk about this morning if I had time, a world pushing for peace. The Bible said, when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction shall come. Everybody talks about peace. Everybody talks about, why aren't we talking about peace? Why don't we have more peace accords? The Bible also talks about war. Matthew 24, verses 6 and 7, it says, nation shall rise against nation. In the 20th century alone, more people have died from war than any other time in history. You would think with all of our increase of education, we'd be less prone to war. The Bible talks about famine. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 7, there shall be famine. Famine is striking us. Many of the countries, especially the African nation and other nations, terrible what's going on there. And the Bible also talks about Christians being killed. In Matthew chapter 24, verses 9 and 10, they shall deliver you up to be afflicted, they shall kill you. Never has there been a time when more Christians are being killed right now. In North Korea, in the Middle East, in China, in Pakistan, in India, in Nigeria, in Egypt. Egypt, if you go to a church there, you, you just never know whether you're going to come out of that thing alive. There's going to be someone coming in there and bombing those places. Now, folks, once the mark of the beast is, uh, begins to begin enforced, this world is coming to a crisis. We are, at the, we are on the precipice of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But as I read the book of Revelation, I say, yes, there are signs, but hallelujah, I am looking for the coming of Jesus Christ. It is a revelation of Jesus Christ. I'm not looking for the undertaker. I'm looking for the upper taker. I'm looking for Jesus Christ, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which He gave unto us. You'd say, well, are you worried about 666? No, I'm more thankful for 777. Jesus, He's the one who's the Christ. He's the one who's coming to give us victory. Jesus is the hero of the book of Revelation, and He's my hero too. Is He yours? Let's all bow our heads for a word of prayer, if you would, please.